Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome to another exciting and informative edition of Atlanta Business Radio. This is a very special one, Lee. We're broadcasting live from Georgia State University here at the Entrepreneurship and Innovation Institute. And uh, we're hitting our afternoon episode. We've already got a couple episodes under our belt. This one is going to be fantastic. We've got a studio full. We have more paparazzi. We got fans. We got all kinds of stuff going on here. Uh, First up on this episode, please join me in welcoming to the broadcast Director, Women Lead, and Professor of Legal Studies, Nancy Mansfield. How are you? Good afternoon. Glad to be here. Well, Nancy, before we get too far into things, do you mind talking a little bit about Women Lead uh, mission purpose? How are you serving folks? Sure. The Women League program launched at Georgia State University in the spring of 2015, so we're just starting our fifth year, and the mission of this program is totally centered on student success, saying that we have a program where we empower undergraduate women to aspire to and achieve leadership roles. We're putting them on a trajectory for success and building connections between college to their careers. So She's now, answered that question before. That, that wasn't the first time? <laughs> you don't think that was an ad lib? I think I have that one memorized. <laughs> you can try another one on me this time. Well, uh, how did it come about? What was the impetus? This is a great story. The impetus for Women Lead was an alum of Georgia State University. An angel investor came to the university and said, I want to do something that will level the playing field for women. And she really gave us carte blanche. So our dean had a town hall meeting. We had about 23 faculty and professional staff show up back in 2014 and brainstorm, you know, what could we do to level the playing field? And being an academic, my real interest was around a four-credit program for young women. And the rest is sort of history. We put it together, um, got Great advice with some other alums of Georgia State who had run women's programs at Coca-Cola. We wanted to make sure that the academic program would resonate with the business community. So once um, the program was designed, the angel investor said, this looks great. We had tremendous support from President Becker and also from Provost Risa Palm and launched the program with an inaugural group of 25 young women in the spring of 2015. That's the genesis. So now, uh, when you were rolling it out, was it something that the women students were embracing, or did it take uh, a little bit of time to get some traction? Um, well, I'll brag a little bit. I think the women embraced. That first class fell, filled up almost overnight. And a lot of things at the university take a long time to happen, but we right. have grown at warp speed So we've added from that first Women Lead in Business section, a second section of Women Lead in Business, and then we added a section of Women Lead in STEM and the Sciences, and our fourth section is Women Lead in Policy and Politics. So we now have 100 great women come through the program 
every semester, so 200 a year, and in a short, um, just over four years, 600 graduates of the program. So that's, um, you know, a a big success to celebrate in terms of numbers as well as what the students are accomplishing. So now what are the nuts and bolts of the course? What are they learning? Um, I would say that the best way to describe the Women Lead course is that it's an experiential learning course where we try to make um, the path for students between the classroom and the community where there are no walls. And we do that through a series of signature experiences. And I'll come back and talk about those in a minute. But the pillars for the curriculum um, are all around building confidence. That's the theme that we heard from our students. So we're interested in building their confidence in self and who they are in their self-efficacy. We want to build their confidence in the professional world of work as they begin to think about leaving Georgia State and moving into their careers, and then building confidence in their ability to make a real contribution to their community, be that family, be it the city they live in, and really to take on the world. So we're building confidence, and the way we do that is through lots of hands-on learning, networking, corporate visits, engagement interviews, and also through a lot of self-reflection. So that we find that with students, really with all of us, if you stop, pause, take a moment to reflect, that then that experience takes on even more meaning. It becomes a part of you. Now, over the years, have you seen kind of some big transformations maybe some i wouldn't name names but some before and afters that maybe really made you proud oh all of our students make us proud and um, we can see transformations on campus from semester to semester where students raise their hand and say i'm going to sign up for this signature program as a good follow-up or they may say i'm going to apply for this fellowship or they say, I'm going to raise my hand and participate in a great activity on campus like um, 1913 Society. So we see the evolution of making an impact on the campus. And then even more, so again, our graduates have been out maybe three years, and we're hearing back from them. There's a young graduate, I remember she sat on the front row in my class and said, you know, really all I wanted was a job but she's now at UPS and has received three promotions. Mm -hmm. We have another student who said, I'm gonna dream big, and is working for a great tech company in Philadelphia, and she comes back to recruit. And these stories follow our students as we track them, they get in touch. Another woman from the inaugural class, working for an accounting firm, they came back, these inaugural students, and served on a panel discussion for our current students to share their success in the workplace. Now, are there any lessons for parents or uh, students maybe that are in high school uh, about Women Lead and that you can share that maybe can give them a jump start? Um, For parents, I guess, when they're looking at universities and a good fit for their, their children, First of all, I'd say hands off, but I would say look to see what do the students want, and also the more opportunities students can have for experiential learning, 
I think, the better for their education. And I would include with that opportunities for research, opportunities to explore entrepreneurial interests, where it becomes a real hands-on university experience. So who'd you bring with you today? Oh, I brought two great colleagues. I hope you'll have a chance to visit with one of our students, Natsai Indabelli, who can tell you her career trajectory and where she's headed after graduation in May. She was in the Women League class in the fall of 2016. And then um, our colleague, Dr. Isabel Manui, who has been with the Entrepreneurship and Innovation Center Institute um, really since it launched, leading the way, teaching classes and working with students. And the great thing about um, having Isabel here is that Women Lead has been successful at Georgia State because so many people have been willing to partner with us. And at Georgia State, there's this real um, entrepreneurial spirit across campus when you hear about the different programs. Everyone wants to get on board, and there's that feeling of, you know, there are no silos. How can we work together for the success of the students? All right, so we want to start with uh, Natsai. Natsai. Okay, Natsai, tell us what you're up to. Okay, so um, I recently co-founded an organization called Our Journey Through Code, and this is basically a community for women of color in computing, and we also have a web series portion where we're highlighting women of color in computing. And then um, what was your experience like here at uh, GSU? So um, currently my graduating semester, my experience... Oh, so you're still in school? Still in school, Uh actually, graduating in May. Um, It has been a great experience, a lot of learning, Definitely a lot of lessons, and also I think getting the opportunity to pers- participate in programs such as Women Lead, where um, I think since my sophomore year, there's so much that I learned from there and so many great lessons that I took, and I've just continued with. How did you even hear about Women Lead? So I got an email, um, got an email, it was over the summer, and the first thing that stuck out to me was getting the chance to be in a class that's with women. So being a computer science major, I'm in a lot of very male-dominated classes. Right. And during what's that... The, what's the ratio in your computer classes of oh men to women? Oh, my goodness. I think maybe in a class of about 50, if it's a good class, there'll be maybe six of us. Wow, so 10%? Less than 10%, pretty much. And it's... Um, something that I thought I'd mentally prepared for freshman year coming in until walking into my first Java programming class and looking around to sort of count because you do that and when really looking at it I thought oh my gosh okay so there's not what I get myself into here exactly you have the moments um, going through I think going through the imposter syndrome that's something I definitely dealt with a lot and really trying to understand that okay why do I feel this way am I supposed to be in here and um, it took a lot in the sense that having to really sit myself down and really say well I love programming I love technology and I have to essentially sit here and really create this space for me now do you have any theories of why women kind of either self-select out or biased out of the opportunity in uh, those kind of classes? Hmm. Um, Because at some point you were with peers, right, that are women, and that there were other people interested in this kind of stuff. At some point they weren't. I think to a certain extent, um, when starting, there's an element of not being able to find role models. So hence the reason with our journey through code, that's why we're actually working on highlighting and showing that, hey, we're here too, and this is something that you can do. So I know when I essentially started, I had actually 
never really seen a female software engineer. I didn't even understand what a computer scientist was. And now I'm in the major and I understand that, okay, I get to create and help build technologies that actually touch everybody's lives. Mm -hmm. But we are still not yet in that position where we can see ourselves as people that are actually creating these technologies, even though we use them, we're still on the consumer side. So it's something I think that still plays a large role in that. And then there's also a very high dropout rate with about maybe 56% of women leaving the industry. And that's because finding a community once you're in it, that's the next challenge. There are a lot of challenges essentially come from, it's a technically difficult major, it's the tech field, there's still those difficulties, but a lot of it is still dealing with maybe the imposter syndrome, dealing with some of the other things that you have to do to still assert yourself to say, hey, I'm here. So now at some point you decided, I want to be the change, right? That I want to help facilitate this change. Yes. Now, um, was that part of the GSU entrepreneurship kind of initiative that's going on that they're encouraging entrepreneurship? Like what was the catalyst to, there's one thing to say, okay, this is happening, but another thing to say, I want to do something about it. Um, so with that, I'd say growing up, I've always had a very entrepreneurial spirit and um, it was, for me, I've reached a point in time where I'd heard the same narrative too many times. People leaving the major, a lot of women dropping out, and I thought, well, this year my motto was be the change that you like to see in the world. Mm -hmm. So this essentially for me was the year where I was saying, let me go ahead and let me change this because if I'm going to be in this field, if I'm still going to go ahead and be looking and using all these technologies, this is time for us to go ahead and be also in the forefront and included in this conversation. So then once you had that concept in your head, and then how did you start building the, you know, the nuts and bolts of our journey through code? Like, do you get other women also involved or this is a solo uh, pursuit right now for you? So um, our team is actually really interesting. So my co-founder um, is also another woman. And then essentially other people in the team, we have a lot of men in the team. So what happened was essentially um, talking pitching, talking to people, and also reaching out within my network. I reached out to Dr. Mansfield and told her, I have this idea. I really don't know how to go ahead starting this because I'm also not a business major. What do we do? And um, she connected me to Dr. Nelson Pizarro. He's a, a social entrepreneurship professor at Georgia State. And from then on, like we worked on a business plan. So there's been a, a lot of networking also within like using my network. There's also um, another CEO in the Atlanta area. Her name is Stephanie um, Jewett. So I also met her through the Women League class. And she's also another woman who sat me down and helped me with preparing. And a lot of it, um, it's, I think we focused a lot on just doing and really focusing on our mission and we're learning as we go. So there's been some mistakes, there's some things that we've gotten right, but it's just a learning process and we're really heavily focused on what our mission is. So now how, what's, what's your dream? How do you, how do you see this playing out? Um, so essentially with that, I know one lofty dream that we had in the beginning was to venture out into maybe even helping find or help other women fund their source or start their journey as we would say it so funneling more women to get into the major and then working on really creating a community where we can not only get people into the field but actually have that community of support have that mentorship if you need help with something if you need finding that direction or even advice things that I've essentially also struggled with and other women struggle with having a place to turn to and say, hey, I'm trying to negotiate this, or um, are there any other career options that I can still explore, what can I do? So we wanna be able to create that community. As like a safe place for you to kind of be vulnerable, because you said it was a difficult 
like this is a difficult major. Yeah. So these are the kind of peers that you can trust and, and be more vulnerable maybe than you would if, if you're going to a guy for help where they might dismiss it. Oh, that's Definitely. why there's no women in this. Definitely. But I think also um, with what you mentioned, also um, creating a space to facilitate that conversation to say, hey, well, this is what we go through. This is, um, you know, what happens because there's no use in creating an exclusive community because we strongly believe that you can't create inclusion by exclusion. So at the end of the day, we're not going into the work field to work by ourselves. We do need to ensure that the majority of the tech population is also included in this conversation. So now, is there a website? Is there a place for you right now? Like, where are you at? What stage are you at? Um, so we have our website. So that's um, ourjourneythroughcode.com. And then um, we also have our social media um, platforms. So on Twitter and on Instagram, that's OJT Code. And on LinkedIn, we're also on LinkedIn. So that's Our Journey Through Code. Nancy, you must be so proud. Oh, I'm beaming right here beside <laughs> Matsai. And she's um she's very modest about her accomplishments but she's had an extraordinary career at georgia state and um she's always interested in other people's success and i think this paying it forward was a part of her dna before even women lead but then it's um she's just taken off the last two years and i can't wait to see where our journey through code goes as well as um her career as she moves to san francisco in the fall good stuff well, uh, who else to bring? Ah, but the other um, guest that we have for the show today is Dr. Isabel Monlouis. And um, Isabel has a PhD from Georgia State and works with the, as a professor in the Entrepreneurship and Innovation Institute. And she's really been glued at the hip with us since the beginning. I remember we had coffee when you were still completing your graduate work and we were sharing ideas about women lead and Isabel had so much experience. I mean, I was running a startup for the first four years, so she was a great advisor. <laughs> and then, um, as I said, and then now a partner as we move women lead ahead when um, hopefully adding a women lead and entrepreneurship course. Well, Isabel, welcome. Thank you, how are you? Very good. Well, uh, tell us about your GSU journey. Well, so I, I joke about it and I refer to it as my uh, midlife crisis. <laughs> I spent quite a bit of time in corporate America, uh, mostly in risk management and training and development. And then I became an accidental entrepreneur <laughs> for about uh, for a little bit over a decade. Um, and then uh, but I had a private consulting practice doing a lot of uh, change management work, innovation consulting for Fortune 500 companies. And I noticed that we were solving the same problems over and over again. And even though it's a great business model, because when it breaks, they call you back, <laughs> I suspected that if we did it right the first time, perhaps we'd be solving different <laughs> problems. And so I had the luxury to step away and decided to go to Georgia State and um, use the time to do some research and find out how we could, how, how could organizations learn? Why, we knew how to help people learn. We knew how to um, complete projects. We knew how to improve processes. But somehow, as I said, the problems keep recurring. And I wasn't sure that organizations could learn. So I decided to go back and find out and learn. Um, but what I didn't anticipate is that I would fall in love with academia all over again. And I remembered what it was like to be a student. And I, I got my, um, my uh, master's in e economics and my MBA very, very early. I had very little uh, job experience at that time. And I 
could look back and see how much had matured, how much more I knew. And I wanted an opportunity to um, bring this to the classroom, uh, the, the combination of, of that experience, and to maybe uh, help create a bridge for today's students. Because that's a different kind of perspective you had now. Yeah, so I'm actually a professor of practice. Um, so yes, I do some research, but one of the one, one of the different perspectives that I bring to the table is a perspective of somebody who spent uh, a decade in uh, corporate America and a de- decade as an entrepreneur. So when I, we work with students, and I love what Nancy said about making sure that they can lead themselves, but also lead a team and lead a project and be leaders in their community, we want to make sure that they are best prepared to be agents of change when they actually get a job. So now how important is that the uh, impact that you make? Like how important is that to transfer that to the student or to the employee? That's the reason to go to work. (laughs) But not everybody has that. So actually, so so I think you'll find that um, many of my colleagues and definitely my colleagues for Women Lead, this is one of the things, one of the values that we share making sure that the students get the benefit of our experience, um, the successes and the failures that we hope they won't repeat, but also making sure that they get the benefit of our networks and, um, and make sure again that this experience, this their education is extremely practical. So we're looking at doing this with different lenses, but that bridge, that college to career bridge is perhaps one of the most important. And actually we almost reverse engineer it, right? We look at what are the competencies that they need to be successful, whether it is leadership, whether it's teaming, whether it's critical thinking, whether it's the ability to express themselves, to, to create, to innovate. And, um, and, we work our, and we work our way back to what kind of experiences we need to design the classroom so that when they graduate, not only have they acquired the skills, but they have a portfolio of projects and prototypes and to actually show what they've accomplished. And more importantly, they have the confidence to know that they can succeed. And that's an important component of this Entrepreneurship and Innovation Institute is giving the students that portfolio of actual work, not just a piece of paper that's a degree that says I'm this or that, right? So it's funny you should say that. So the way I think of it, you can look at entrepreneurship innovation uh, education, especially for women, (laughs) through three different lenses, right? You could learn about entrepreneurship, and that would be the equivalent of watching Shark Tank or interviewing an entrepreneur, right? You could learn um, for entrepreneurship, which is again some of the things that we do to make sure that those students that we work with can reach back to their own lived experience and identify problems that are worth solving and actually try to create a venture. But you could also learn through entrepreneurship. It's a great uh, vehicle to actually find out who you are and to have sort of this evolution of your identity. I see my students when they start the semester, they hold themselves, you know, their, their head is bent, they're not making really eye contact, their spine is bent. And by the end of the semester, they're ready to take on the world and you see it and they look at you straight in the eyes and they stand straight. And I notice that they've changed their auto signature. At the beginning, they're students, but by the end of the semester, they are founders of right. something. That's right. And something CEO. that they can show. But, but more importantly, they can actually show. They have prototypes. They've had interviews. They have websites. They have uh, followers. And some of them, they've actually made some cash. And so I keep joking that this is the program where you actually make more money than you spend <laughs> to go to school. <laughs> and then, th- But that's very innovative, right? To use the college, your college time as actually doing things that make you money immediately as opposed to some future state. So it's one of the things that I, I don't think I knew 
before I, before I started teaching a few years ago. But our students are incredible in terms of their um, entrepreneurial grit. They have a level of resilience, a level of creativity, and I find that if you just give them the tool and a little bit of runway, you'd be amazed about what they can create. And so I teach, but I must confess, I learn an awful lot from them as well. Now, how important do you think, or, or how unique is the GSU kind of diverse student population when it comes to this, and how does that come into play with the entrepreneurship program? So we have a very diverse student population, and it almost doesn't matter which lens you look at in terms of diversity. We have a you know majority a, a female population. We have um, you know a large again majority of, of color, but we also have students who come from all different walks of life. So we have uh, students who are first generation college students. We have quite a bit of those. And so it doesn't matter which lens you look at, whether it's economic or social or cultural or language, you will find that it's very diverse. And I will say, I won't say it's our secret sauce because I think the secret is out, but I would say it's one of our strengths. So in today's economy, as Natsai said, you don't work by yourself, right? You don't work alone. And you have to learn to work with a very diverse group of people. And part of the work that we do is through projects where they actually have to learn to work effectively or to lead effectively. Groups that are so diverse um, that, again, by the time they graduate, that's one of the skills that they've uh, acquired. Right, they've already done it for years when they start, as opposed to other people who graduate and this is the first time they've been around this kind of diversity. Yeah, and one of the ways in which they do this, I go back to something that Nancy talked about, is that they learn who they are. So one of the things that they learn is they learn to appreciate their own diversity. So in some corners, people will think of diversity as a flaw, and we make it a feature. Some people think of diversity as a barrier, and we make it a bridge to op- of opportunity. And so they learn to, to own and appreciate their own diversity, and that also allows them to empathize at a different level with others who may be different in different ways, but then they can connect. And in that way, they build stronger teams, they, build, they actually bring more innovative solutions, and they also sometimes are able to uncover overlooked market because they're in places or they look for lenses that other people don't. And so once they can take this, whether or not that initial venture is successful, of course I cheer for it to be successful and some of them are. But even if it's not, this is what I would think is the best job training for the 21st century so that when they get to the job market, they actually are that much farther ahead, not just in the technical skills that they acquire, like Natsai, but in all of the interpersonal skills um, that they actually have already practiced when they go to work on the job market. So now, how did uh, Women Lead get on your radar? (laughs) So first of all, I confess, I'm a huge fan. (laughs) So um, Women Lead got on my radar because uh, both Nancy and Pam Allen, who is the uh, Associate Director of the Women Lead Program, are both colleagues and friends, and reached out to me to be uh, part of the mentor team for the almost initial women lead class. And I fell in love with the students. I fell in love with the work that they were doing. So this was when you were an entrepreneur? This is, yes, yes. That that was before I joined Georgia State as a a professor. Um, And I thought that it was such an important initiative. Uh, I think that, especially for those of us who have been uh, in the workforce as women, we understand that um, it takes, you know, the expression says it takes a village. It's not a bad expression, but it certainly takes a support system, and it also takes some very unique strategies 
And many of us have had to learn to develop those strategies by trial and error. And it's really, and we're really committed to making sure that our students can benefit from uh, our experience and that they can start where we, are, where we ended and take, you know, take the next lead, the next step in the journey. And so when the opportunity came up, whether it was being a mentor, which again, anybody who resonates with our, with our message, I encourage you to reach out to us and to contact us. We have mentorship opportunities, whether it's networking, practicing networking, um, the students are phenomenal. And when, the, when Nancy and I talked about the possibility of another section of women lead, women lead in entrepreneurship innovation, I knew that was an opportunity I could not pass on. So now that uh, you've kind of experienced it from the entrepreneur standpoint and the academic standpoint, how do you see it evolving as being part of the Entrepreneurship and Innovation Institute? Mm. So it's actually unfortunate <laughs> that women face, um, you know, minorities in general, but women in particular face unique challenges in entrepreneurship. It's interesting because they actually start more businesses. They start businesses at a faster rate than anybody else. But yet, uh, institutional resources are not available to them at the same rate. And when so, you what say we, that, are you saying funding? Among other things. But yes, I mean, the same biases that explain why uh, women only get 2% of VC funding and women of color only get 0.2% of VC funding, those same uh, institutional barriers actually apply to all the different stages. Right. It's also the access to uh, to incubators, to accelerators. It's uh, the way you know mentors respond to them. It's oftentimes the way people respond to their business ideas. Oftentimes, I hear um, successful uh, women entrepreneurs talk about how uh, people are looking for the the founder because they don't believe that they're the founder, or they actually uh, when they, if they um, talk about a gendered product, usually the the founders the, the you know the VC will say. I need a minute, I need to talk to my wife or my secretary to see if it's a good product, <laughs> because I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, and those are some of the best cases, right? And so they, they get um, dismissed, underestimated. So it's both, um, it's a curse, but it's also an opportunity, right? So when you underestimate it, it allows you to, to you know, it allows you to surprise, and in that surprise, you can shift a relationship. But understanding that, um, we realize that it's really important that we develop some, uh, some understanding and some fluency with the unique strategies that women entrepreneurs need. So the good news is we have a lot of allies. And we have a lot of allies who don't face the same problem and they want to help. But their conventional wisdom and oftentimes the suggestions that they will make will not work for us. In fact, they may backfire. And so it's really critical that we have an, uh, a candid conversation about what those institutional barriers are so that we can develop the appropriate strategies, train our students, knowing full well that when they get in those positions of leadership, they can change the game. They can change who gets funding. They can change uh, you know, who gets support. But this is where we are. We're in that place where we have to make that transition. And, um, and, and it's a perfect fit, because I don't know that you can talk about leadership for women without talking about entrepreneurship and innovation, right? without talking about economic uh, mobility and leadership from that perspective. And so it was a perfect next step in the curriculum for women lead in women lead uh, because again, leadership for women absolutely includes entrepreneurship and innovation. And GSU is kind of unique in that uh, this entrepreneurship kind of theme is is being spread across the whole entire university. 
we are quite proud of that. <laughs> so That's a big deal, right? It is, because we actually have a huge footprint. I mean, if you drive around Atlanta, you, you mm-hmm. may have noticed <laughs> we have a huge footprint. Well, it's the so, larger, isn't it the largest university in Georgia? Over 50,000 students. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's insane, right? And so, yes, we actually, uh, President Becker, who gives us a lot of institutional support, um, has a vision that um, entrepreneurship innovation is for everybody at Georgia State. That includes every student, regardless of major. Uh, the business department does not have a monopoly on entrepreneurship innovation, as you can see. <laughs> and that also extends to the staff and the faculty. So I think our ambition is to be an entrepreneurial university and to make sure that those sort of 21st century skills permeate not just what we teach, but how we teach. And then for you personally, this must resonate with you becoming from your background in change management and innovation. This goes hand in hand, right? I'm a happy camper. <laughs> right? This so yes, absolutely. So it's, it's a bit of a dream come true. Everybody talks about the ivory tower. Um, but again, we can ask Nancy, when you think about programs like Women Lead, you can appreciate that we are listening to what the market is telling us. We're listening to what the students are asking for. And we're making the changes. And that level of partnership uh, with the industry in terms of what they need, with the students in terms of co-creating. I mean, I'll, I'll confess, when we decided to create, which again, we're, we're planning sort of this entrepreneurship innovation version of um, a section of Women Lead, one of my first calls was to Natsai. <laughs> and I said, that's why we need to talk. <laughs> because who else would be better positioned to help us co-design and to make sure that the students' voices are best represented and an integral part of the design of how the course lands? So our commitment is not just to deliver um, just you know incredibly powerful learning experiences, transformative learning, but our commitment is to continue to learn and because technology is changing and the market is changing and our students are growing, and the only way we can do this is in partnership with them. And then uh, also you need partnership with the uh, enterprise companies and businesses around the community. Are you getting buy-in from them as well? We're getting a lot of support and it's quite uh, amazing to see. Um, the, the vision and the mission for Women Lead resonates so strongly that we have a lot of people in the community, you know, women and men, by the way, who want to be a part of it. And they're coming to coach the students, they're coming to participate in our events, they're coming to sometimes speak uh, and share their experience. And um, and so it's been a, a wonderful bridge. And it's actually a two-way bridge because they go back and they tell us how impressed they've been the students mm-hmm. and how grateful they've been for the opportunity to give back. Um, I have to say, uh, Nancy runs this um, uh, power networking event, which was on the first event I attended. And as an attendee, the experience was incredible. I mean, you there for a short period, and you felt like you contributed the world. And um, I don't know, did you want to say a little bit more about that, Nancy? Please share. So a power networking is really almost like speed dating. And we bring in 40 or so executives, leaders from throughout the community, and then our 100 students. And we literally ring a bell every five minutes. The students have a program. They've done research on the Um, community leaders who are there and then they rotate every five minutes and get to practice making that eye contact a handshake and they have questions that they have prepared to ask about careers um, what impediments you faced what is the best advice you can give me at this point in my journey and what's interesting is before the event so many of the students say 
Professor Mansfield, I've never done this before. I have no idea what I'm doing. We give them some instructions, and I say, it just takes practice. And by the end of the session, they're beaming. They talk about the people that they've met, and they said, they say two things. I have confidence now if I walk into a meeting or a professional group that I can go up and introduce myself and engage in a conversation and after events like this, also students sometimes say, Nancy, I want to come back one day and be that person. And that's the transformative element of a program like Women Lead. I know we talked about, Natsai, you had, um, you had said there's a problem sometimes of role models. And I was sort of the first wave of feminists back in the 70s when I was in college. At least there are a few more role models today, but in corporate America, at the very top, I think, in the C-suite, 4% women of color. So one of my goals was to light that spark of self-awareness in our students, but also present them with strong role models through power networking, through panel discussions like we'll have this afternoon, engagement interviews, where they could begin to develop that professional identity of who they want to be and what they want for themselves. And so that has been happening semester after semester here at Georgia State. So, I mean, you're right, Isabel, we have the best jobs in the world. I mean, I tell my family and friends um, to be doing what you love to do every day is great, but to feel like you were meant to do it is even greater. So now, um, how are you kind of defining success? Is it one person at a time or is there kind of bigger goals that you aspire to be? Is it going outside the border of this university and the country? Like, So there are a couple wanna, of ways to approach the question <laughs> and then um, Isabel can chime yeah. in. So, so much of our evidence of success was anecdotal uh, from our students, but we're now engaged in a five-year study of approved by the university where we're actually measuring a student's growth of ambition over the 14 weeks of a semester. So we did that, the first run was in the fall semester of 2018. What does growth of ambition mean? So growth of ambition would be taking um, how you felt when you first entered the class, what was your confidence around public speaking? What was your idea about leadership within your chosen major? Do you then at the end see yourself as a leader? Those are measures that we can look at change over the course of that semester and then begin to gather the data and compare it. So we're just at the beginning. One of my colleagues, who's a political science professor, is working with her team and graduate research assistants um, to do a deep dive into those measures. And we just need the numbers to get a little bit higher before we can report out. But as you know, for sustainability of a program, and particularly when you're looking to corporate partners and to foundations, you need that data to show the overall success of the program. In terms of growth, there are different ways to think of it. We would love to grow the program horizontally. You mentioned 50,000 students at Georgia State. And um, there's a big demand for women lead. So within the confines of those pillars of the curriculum, we can offer many different um, intense subject matter areas. So we'd love to grow the program here on campus. And then my entrepreneurial friends say, you know, Nancy, you need to just tie it up with a bow and take it national. Mm -hmm. And you asked me at the beginning about our mission about empowering young women. And the vision is really aligned with Georgia State to become a national model of success for women students. There's a national conversation around women 
and what are we doing here at Georgia State with this course, this curriculum, with additional programming, with partnering, to, um, again, put those students on a trajectory for success. I'd love to see it expand to other universities, to have a, a consortium or a meeting here at Georgia State, even just for all of the universities within the Georgia system would be a great place to start. We're collecting data on our best practices. So it's a, it's a big project. Well, there's a lot of work to be done. Isabel, you mentioned that um, women start the most businesses, but not a lot of women create million dollar or more ongoing businesses, right? The stats on that are pretty shocking as well. So the good news is the stats are changing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so oftentimes to create a you know million or you know again I think the stats are less than three percent, right? Mm -hmm. So but oftentimes to create at scale, you need a few things. One of them is oftentimes you need funding, and there are uh, many that I know of who've had to sell their business at a smaller stage because they couldn't get the funding. Um, although there is a, a strategy. Uh, to actually invent a male co-founder, but this is not the most ethical of <laughs> strategies. <laughs> um, I was thinking something else. I don't know if it's appropriate to say on, on the radio. But um, So there's a few strategies to invent, invent co-founders to make it work. Um, but the second thing that you need is technology. So technology is a great equalizer. Because That's it why actually Nat's can make, here. There you go. <laughs> and this is also why it's also one of the lenses that, we're, that we are uh, using in our design of the Women Lead in Entrepreneurship Innovation is to actually allow women who now think big to build big. And so what Nancy was referring to, so that confidence, this is where it starts, right? If you don't think you can build a big business, you're not even going to reach out, create that big vision, or get the partners that you need. But if you can um, shift that identity, and they can actually, and they can own their ability to create something quite so monumental. Then tools such as technology can actually help bridge the gap. And um, and I have to say, it's beginning. Uh, a student came to see me yesterday and made me cry, in a good way. Does that happen <laughs> regularly? It doesn't happen regularly. I was, I mean, it was, it was, I was, uh, I didn't expect that visit. But this student came to see me. So student that was also graduating in May. I was asked. I was asked to withhold, uh, you know, name details, but this student is actually uh, just got a fantastic job in Silicon Valley, working for a unicorn uh, at a staggering starting salary. <laughs> but a more importantly, a billion dollar. Yes. Right. Yes. And so, and and I'm. I was so proud. But the reason I was proud is that that student who's graduating in May is coming back and saying, "I want you to know what a difference." the class made. And I want you to know that I will not forget. And I'm graduating in a few weeks, but I came to say thank you. And that's also success. Right. Not just the graduation, which we love, not just a fantastic job. And that was that student's first choice of company, which is also amazing. But that ability for the student to look back and to say, I see what I got, that I got, and I'm committed to be of service. I will not forget. I will be back, and I will be, I, I will be the bridge, and, and that success. And I think that that's uh, one of the benefits of Georgia State being that university for that first generation of uh, person going to college. That I think that because of that, they appreciate, you know, what could be and what is now, and that they want to give back more than maybe somebody who's second, third, fourth, fifth generation. In, in a family, right? 
I, I think so. I think also they, they appreciate some of the support that we provide even more. Right. Um, because again, they you know they're not taking it for granted. They can see the gap, and I think it's in places like this that programs like Women Lead, who actually uh, or all kinds of um, immersive education, which actually provide more than the traditional sort of lecture style, make a difference. We don't take for grant. We don't take anything for granted. We actually make sure that we design the experience so that uh, we can produce the, the learning outcomes. And, and as I said, one of our big learning outcomes is that shift in identity and that confidence. And, um, and, and again, it's amazing that it, it may only take a few weeks. So Nancy was talking about 14 weeks to create, but that student was in my class three years ago. And so it was amazing to see that this is, so this is why I'm so excited about this, this research uh, study to can actually prove what we see every day. Right. But it's actually to see that it took 14, 14 weeks to create, but three years later, look at what it's, the, the platform that it's begun, uh, that, that is created. And so it's, it's both, um, so, so uh, yes, I cried. <laughs> but it, it's also extremely humbling uh, because in many ways, it's a privilege to do what we do. Well, it's the it, the program is the gift that keeps on giving, right? You know, here it is. You take the course three years later; it's still paying dividends for everybody. It is. It's impressive impact. Now, how, how can we help? What do you need more of? Ooh, that's a great question. So I, um, I'm going to to start, and then I, I, I hand it over to maybe Nancy and and, and that side. But so we um, we love partnerships. <laughs> And uh, as we as as we expand the program, uh, we love to continue to partner with uh, other entrepreneurs and leaders in the community. As I said, we we have a fantastic cadre of, of women leaders and entrepreneurs, and we would love some more as we as we continue to grow the program. And it's also been quite uh, wonderful to actually have a few uh, male uh, mentors as well. Find that they had a unique perspective, and as Natsai shared, we you know we, we we don't believe again we believe in inclusivity. And so this is one form of partnership uh, that was wonderful. And I'm going to hand it over to Nancy for all the other forms of partnership and support that we would love. Well, one of the things for support is just what we're doing today to get the word out about our programs and about what's happening here at Georgia State. Um, building partners has been critical to the Women Lead program, and that's come through um, a couple of grant requests as well as some corporate support along the way. And to build our program, we're gonna need lots of partnerships across the city and across the country. And we're poised and ready to do that, I think, now that we're past the, the startup phase of our business with Women Lead. We always like to have individuals in the community to get involved in the program. We have a large number of Georgia State alums who have raised their hand. And in addition, just other interested parties who say, I'd be happy to participate in your events, to serve on a panel. To, um, to be a part of the program. That helps the program to grow and flourish. So now if somebody wants to do that, is there a website or a kind of a place they can go to learn more? Yes, um, our, our website is easy to find. It's womenlead.robinson. There's lots of information there about the program and how to get in touch with us. Follow us on social media across all platforms where women lead. GSU <laughs> all runs together. And um, wow, I think we have well over a thousand followers and lots of people watching what we're doing every week with the Women Lead program. So that helps to get the word out also. And, that, and that's why, before we wrap, once again, your uh, our Journey Through Code coordinates. What, um, the, what's the website again? Um, our journeythroughcode.com. 
Good stuff. Well, best of luck for with your uh, ventures and you. uh, your future seems bright. I think everybody <laughs> is bullish on you in this room. Thank you. <laughs> congratulations for all your success. And Nancy, congratulations for all your success. It's a wonderful program that's impacting lots and lots of people. Thank you for the great conversation today. It's fun to share our story. Well, thank you, Isabel, for being a guest. It was my pleasure. All right. This is Lee Cantor for Stone Payton. We will see you all next time on Georgia State University's Entrepreneur and Innovation Institute Radio. 